0: Well, I mean, as I was preparing for this week, I, you know, look at sort of the life of Jesus and the closer he gets to the cross, uh, the more polarizing his mes- messages become. And, and this one today is kind of the beginning uh, of that effort. And so I began to think about polarizing figures uh, throughout history and I tried to avoid political People, because by nature they're polarizing, like no matter what, but I'll list a few for you here in a minute. But, but I think about one of the guys that perhaps had the greatest impact uh, on you and me that we don't even know or we, we, we don't pay much attention to. But uh, back in 1517, uh, October 31st to be exact of 1517, there was a man named Martin Luther, Who uh, on the door of a church nailed what we call the 95 Theses? It was his attempt to share with the Roman Catholic Church that change needs to happen. We've got to do better, people. We, We need to believe the Bible, we need to trust in Jesus by faith alone, we need to accept His grace. And, and that caused a whirlwind of activity that had already been starting uh, in the late 1400s and continued for another hundred or so years. And today, the reason, part of the reason you're in a Baptist church and not in a Roman Catholic church is because of Martin Luther. But, but he polarized the entire world when he lived And then, uh, several hundred years later, there's another guy who actually has a very similar name. Martin Luther King Jr. And he, too, was a polarizing figure. One wanted to reform the church. The other attempted to change how we see value in one another. Both of those men... Polarized the landscape of their culture in their day. We think about people like the Kardashians. They're polarizing figures. (laughs) Pete Rose, if you love baseball and baseball history. If you watch much in the form of celebrity activity, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Could be polarizing figures today. Uh, Our own Supreme Court is a polarizing group of people these days. The governors of California, Texas, and Florida are polarizing figures. Each of these groups of people, from Martin Luther uh, all the way to the Kardashians, what a combo right there. (laughs) Each of these people uh, and groups of people might uh, invoke an emotional response from us and from those in our midst. And as Jesus continued his ministry, as he looked to the cross, the same thing occurred to him. That every time he spoke, and increasingly so, the longer he spoke, and as he moved through those three years of earthly ministry, the longer he went, the more polarizing he became, and the more polarizing his messages actually became. Because more and more his messages would have something to do with let those who have ears let him hear. And those who would harden their hearts would do so as well. And one of those examples is a well-known parable about farming. I know a subject all of us are familiar with. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, We're going to see this parable today actually in two sections. Uh, He tells the parable and then he says some other things and he comes back and explains the parable uh, to his followers on what exactly did he mean uh, when he made this reference to seed falling on different types of soil. This is the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. So beginning in verse 1, this is what the scripture says. The same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. Uh, If you were a teacher that day, to sit down was sort of the position of authority. It's opposite of what we do in our culture. But he sat down beside the sea and the great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. We have a few students who are at the beach today. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up. He's along the the shore of the sea. There's a beach area. He's sitting down to teach. All of them are listening to all these amazing things that he's saying about planting, about weeds and rocks and harvest, riveting subjects. Who doesn't like a good discussion on weeds? (laughs) Plural, not singular. Singular. Some of you will get that. (laughs) These are all concepts that an agriculturally minded community would lean in on. And they would pay attention to and they would be focused on. It would be no different than if today, Justin Verlander had had a little gathering and talked about baseball. Baseball players would lean in and they would understand and they would know. Or if his wife, Kate Upton, had a, had a little conference on modeling or fashion, like everybody who would come to that would, wanna, would have some insight into what they're doing. Everyone here understands these concepts of, of harvest, of planting, of tending to the soil. All of those things they understood. But Jesus in this moment is trying to help people understand you're in one of two camps. There's, there's two groups here. And the groups are those with ears who can hear and those who have their hearts hardened who cannot hear, who will not hear. And most of his teaching from this point on puts people in those two groups because the kingdom of heaven and the message of the gospel separates people. The the gospel, the truth about who Jesus Christ is as the Savior Declaring that statement will separate people because there will some who will hear that and welcome it and receive it and others who react against it. And Jesus, as he teaches, even in this moment, is beginning to separate those two who understand the gospel message. And so he shares this parable and then he talks about why we have parables. And then he comes back to explain what this parable about Farming has to do with anything. So let's pick it up in verse 18. Jesus says then, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for it was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, but when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for it was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was grown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another case 60, and another 30. The question for us today is have we understood the word? Have we received the word? the message of Jesus. Have we opened our hearts, our ears, to listen to the message of Jesus Christ? Have we allowed him to plant the seed of the gospel that that he came as God's gift to the world, to live perfectly a way that you and I could never live? If you remember a few weeks ago, I said there's two ways to enter the kingdom of heaven, perfection and Jesus Perfection in Jesus, those are your two options. And so if we say, I am not perfect and cannot be, then have I accepted, received, heard, understood the message of Jesus that he came as God's gift, perfect and holy, to die on a cross, to be my substitute, to pay the penalty of sin that I could not pay by his shed blood, a once and for all sacrifice. And then he conquered death three days later so that I too may conquer death, that you may conquer death by placing my faith in him and him alone. That's the message of Jesus. That's the the message of the sower. That's the, the one who plants the seed in our heart and does it grow. The challenge is as we look at this in our modern eyes, we see four different types of people. And we begin a debate on what those different people are. But the ancient world, the farmers who were listening to Jesus' message would not see four people. They wouldn't see four groups. No, they would only see two groups. The group that received, the the soil that received the seed that was good and produced a bountiful crop, and those that died. There's only two conclusions to the parable of the sower Either you produce a harvest or you die. That's it. Those are the only two options. We try to figure out what all three or four of these things say, and yet the ancient farmer would, would know that either the word of God takes root and it lives, the message of the gospel takes root in your heart and lives, or it doesn't. Either you're in the kingdom or you're not. There's only two options. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He is the power of the gospel to bring salvation. And as I think about this passage, I think about receiving the message of Jesus. The, the receiving the word is what Jesus says as he explains it. I think about those times when, when I have attempted To share that message, to to sow seed in others' lives. I'm so thankful. Yesterday, uh, I I had to be out at the car show for a little bit um, as a part of the Chamber of Commerce. And as I was walking by with Tate, there was a man that said, Hey, I'd like to give you a gift. Well, because I can read pretty well, I can see this booth says Manville Bible Chapel. So I knew where it was headed. You should have too if you walked by. But I said, sure. So he handed me this print of a a scene with some classic cars in front of a diner. And he talked about the artist who created this beautiful masterpiece. And then they replicated that masterpiece over and over and over again. And then very wisely and very eloquently, he made this shift and said, you know, there's also a beautiful gift given to us. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. And I let the man continue for a little bit because I didn't want to just like pull the rug out from underneath him. But at some point, I I said, Yes, sir, I I agree. And hey, I I just want you to know that I'm the pastor at First Baptist Friendswood. And you know what his very next statement was? Well, are you saved? (laughs) See, like, that's a good farmer. That's a good farmer. Have you received salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ? I said, "Yes, sir." I didn't tell him uh, that uh, our pastor search committee asked me that question about twenty different ways uh, when we were interviewing. Uh, and so, yes, I'm I'm firm in my understanding of salvation. But it was wonderful to celebrate with him, and I gave him a hug and said, "Man, keep it up, keep doing this. Thank you for sharing the gospel and being out here and, and sowing seeds of the gospel." And it got me to thinking about one of the times in my own life when I shared the gospel. Uh, I was overseas. And we were working with some college students, and we were wearing those. Uh, I wish I would have worn one today. Uh, but a salvation bracelet, and if you've been in VBS, you know what those are. It has different colored beads to represent different things. Black for sin, you know, red for blood, gold for heaven, uh, those kinds of things. And, and, and it's this bracelet, and you get to explain it and what it is. Well, we were going to this botanical garden, and one of the young ladies there, uh, her English name was Ice, like ice tray, um, ice cube. Yeah, like Ice was her English name. And so Ice uh, saw my bracelet, and she said, "Hey, David, what is? I like your bracelet. What is it for?" Yes. And so I spent the next five or six minutes making the most perfect gospel presentation you've ever heard. I mean, I didn't skip a beat. I didn't stumble over my words. I had, I mean, it was boom, 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 boom. At the end of my presentation, she said, thank you. And we kept on walking through the garden. That was it. Thank you. Nothing else. Not like, oh, please, I need to know more. Who is this Jesus you speak of? None of that. Just thank you, and let's look at this bonsai tree. (laughs) And and, and it was in that moment, uh, among other moments that I've had uh, throughout my life, that I realized uh, the power is not in my presentation. It's not in my eloquence. It's not in the cool bead bracelet that I had. No. The the power is in the gospel to penetrate the heart of one who's ready to hear, who's ready to hear. She she wasn't ready to hear. Maybe I crack the door a little bit. But what happens sometimes is you and I get in a a zone of where we think, "Hmm, I'm not sure if I really." have that kind of power in me. And so I don't know the Bible well enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I'm not a very good speaker. I have a hard time talking to people. I like to be by myself. And we come up with a thousand reasons why we shouldn't also be sowers of the seed. Because perhaps we don't understand the power of, Of the gospel. We don't understand its power. Because it's the power to overcome death. Seeds have to die, but then they produce life. They overcome death to produce life. The gospel conquers death, it's the power to overcome sin to produce a bountiful harvest. I think so often we live on half power, third power, tenth power. We don't live on full power. For a long time, because I love yard work so much, I've paid someone else to do it. But recently, uh, I I decided to change that behavior. And not so much because uh, I I want to uh, just be, you know, cool and go with what's new, but partly because I do care for our earth, and we all as believers should care for our earth because God's commanded us to do that. Uh, I bought an electric battery-powered lawnmower ego, which is kind of a funny name in itself, and I, I actually like it, but the interesting thing, I also have the weed eater, and uh, a church member blessed me greatly with the blower, which is so awesome, uh, and, and so I'm, when I'm mowing, one of, the, one of the big things with lawnmowers, particularly uh, the battery-powered lawnmowers, is they don't have enough RPM with our thick St. Augustine grass. And so I think they've solved that to an extent because gas power, man, that thing will fly. Those blades are moving. But I noticed when I've been mowing our yard, and because I love it so much, I never mow the whole yard in one day. <laughs> if you love yard work, just text me later, okay? Okay. But as I'm mowing, and I have three boys, like, but still, it's, I think it's genetic. Um, so as I was mowing the day, I was listening, because it's very quiet. The lawnmower is very quiet. But I noticed that, that as we got into the thicker, taller grass, that all of a sudden, it got louder. And that little motor inside there, the RPMs were moving just a little quicker, and it began to just mow, mow right on through. Most of the yard only needed like three quarters power, because I'd waited two weeks, there was part of the yard that needed full power. I wonder how often you and I, we miss out on opportunities to experience the full power of God in our own lives because we don't have the ears to hear. We don't have hearts that are softened towards him. And we think, oh, I'm not good enough I don't know enough, or just the opposite. We rely solely on our intellect, our power, our understanding of right and wrong. And so we do it our own way. And we, we miss out on the power of the gospel to create a bountiful harvest in our own life and the life of others. There's power in the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is full of power. Not earthly power, not positional power. No, but supernatural power. And as Jesus explains this parable in in verses 18 and beyond, it's interesting the words that he uses. He, He uses words like to hear and understand. He repeats himself, the one who hears and understands at the end. If you and I hear and understand the word of Christ, if we understand the message of the gospel, then we will live it out obediently. And so the true mark of someone who has a a heart ready for harvest is that we obediently live out the message of the gospel. And so are you doing that? Are you obediently living out the message of Jesus? The harvest came to the one who received the gift of salvation. But that's not the only part of Jesus' message. If that were, then as soon as we accepted Christ as our Savior, Jesus would just take us. If that was the end goal, if the end goal was simply to have a relationship with Jesus Christ so that we could earn a spot in heaven by his work, not our own, then we might as well just be taken right then. But no, God has a bigger plan for us, a harvest that we need to reproduce. And so we have a, a message that we've got to fulfill. As we talked about the Beatitudes a few weeks ago, to be pure in heart, merciful, poor in spirit. Do we hunger and thirst for godly things? Are we meek? Do we exercise power under control? Do we love our enemies? As a friend and I were talking the other night at a heated baseball game, do we turn the other cheek or do we hit the other cheek? It's easy to do the latter. Do we give to those in need? Do we pray without ceasing? Do we have an attitude of grace towards others? To have an attitude of grace towards others means I recognize my own faults before I start talking about yours. I me encourage you to try that sometime when you're in a conversation and a friend, a family member, someone you're not super fond of comes up. Try sharing all the great qualities they have before you start talking about their deficiencies. That's a bountiful harvest there. Do we have to... Do we think on things above? Things that are lovely and true, as Paul tells us. Not what you think is right or fair or just. And the amazing thing about this obedience, the hearing and understanding is that most of those are not do's and most of those are not do's and don'ts. They're attitudes. I'm gonna think on things that are lovely. I'm gonna be poor in spirit. I'm gonna have a heart of mercy. I'm gonna thirst for godly things. They're attitudes, and our attitude will lead to a Christ-like action that's hundred, sixty, and thirty fold. And so the question for us as we close is, does the good soil of my heart live out an abundant harvest? Does it bear fruit? Does the joy of my life bear fruit? The harvest that, that Jesus talks about, the 100, the 60, the 30, It is actually unbelievable. And because I know all of us are agricultural experts, we know that a good harvest is 10 or 20-fold. That's a good harvest. Like people jump up and down because they got a 10-fold harvest, a 20-fold harvest in that culture. And Jesus is saying, if you live a life that is sensitive to the Word of God, you're listening to the message of Jesus. You understand it. And you live in joy because of the kingdom, you're gonna have a 30, 60, 100 fold ten times what everyone else says is good, you're gonna experience. I want 10 times what is good. That's what Jesus declares for us. When we live with our heart tuned and tender towards his message, when we bear fruit that people don't really understand. When we have love and joy and peace, we have kindness and gentleness. When we exercise self-control when no one else does, then people pay attention. They can't believe how wonderful it is. This weekend, a friend shared a devotional story with me that kind of sums up all that we're saying in one simple story. The question that this person asked was, how do I sell peach trees? Uh, we had a Meyer lemon tree in our yard um, until February of last year, like a lot of you. <laughs> but how do you sell a peach tree? And so she began to think, okay, well, maybe I can just line up a bunch of baby peach trees. There's a name for that, and I can't remember what it is because um, I'm such a farmer. Um, but I can line those up, show them, or maybe I just get a giant peach tree full of peaches and, and have point everybody, look, you need a peach tree. Like, wouldn't that be awesome to have one of those in your yard? Or should I take a peach? And when a customer comes up, I slice that peach and watch the juice run down my hand as I hand it to them. And they take a bite and the juice runs down their face and they have a big smile because they know the goodness of a tasty, wonderful peach. The peach sells itself. I don't have to sell peach trees. I sell the fruit. And when I show them the fruit of the harvest, they see the goodness of God. And that's what we're called to be. To be people bearing fruit, showing the world the goodness of God. That we might taste and see and they may taste and see the Lord is good. And allow that sweetness to fill their mouth, to engulf their heart to help them know what the kingdom of heaven is all about. There's a bountiful harvest. And he's called us to bear fruit so that we may see others enjoy the kingdom of heaven. Will you pray with me?